0: This podcast is made possible by Atom Audio, German-engineered studio monitors for every studio size, shape, and budget. Hear what you've been missing. Learn more at atom-audio.com. Hey, it's Larry Crane. Welcome to the Tape Op Podcast. <laughs> Texas trio Krungban have paired with Malian guitarist View Farcature, son of the legendary Ali Farcature, for new release, Ali. The result is an otherworldly, reverb soaked trance offering, perfect for a drive through the African desert or a stretch of Texas highway. Jeff Stanfield caught up with guitarist Mark Spear and engineer Steve Christensen to discuss the partnership and recording of the album. Enjoy! we got it it's gonna happen um there's steve there he is yo hey man (laughs) welcome to the chat yay (laughs) it's a hotline (laughs) yeah exactly tape Um, out podcast i can't believe it it's so exciting (laughs) what really drew you to instrumental music and, and what were some of the you know your some of your early primary listening that that really sort of hooked you on going that direction with music i mean i know you have vocalists leon bridges and and you guys sing as well but there is a lot of, it's the the foundation of it is an instrumental band
1: um i think part of the reason why i wanted to do an instrumental band is because i didn't want to sing you know uh <laughs> Uh, I have sang in bands before, and I kind of don't really like it. I don't really kind of dig that vibe um, because either you're standalone singer, okay, and so it's just like you, and all eyes are on you, and all that kind of shit. Um, or you're a singer and you're playing an instrument, which means that you are stuck standing behind a mic unless you do the whole. Uh, you know, Britney Spears mic thing, you can move around, right? And I'm not, I don't, don't think that's actually very cool looking. Uh, so I don't know. Um, I also kind of liked how, if it's instrumental, it kind of like no instrumental bands are like pop stars, right? So that means I'll never have to be a pop star. So that's great. Um, and then you start singing and then you hear your songs on commercials. And it's kind of weird, so yeah, I definitely prefer just instrumental music. Um, but one of the reasons I got into it is because I was uh, studying, and I loved having music on, but I didn't want to have music with words that would distract me from the thing I'm reading. So I'll either listen to instrumental music, which is which of which there's a lot of it, um, a lot of dub or classical music or anything like that, but also. Um, a lot of jazz, uh, but also listening to music from other countries where they're singing. You know, there there are vocals, but they're in a language I can't understand, so they're not distracting to me.
0: The the approach is ultimately different in some ways that you know you're you're still. There's still a narrative to music, instrumental music, and you're but you're telling the stories with, with sound and tone. What, what's your thought on that? And, and Steve too, I mean, in, in terms of capturing something tonally that that helps tell that story. I mean, I think
1: that um, when you, let's say you title a song something, right? Because it's just instrumental, right? So there's no words. You got to give it a, some kind of title that they can't just be called untitled one, untitled two you know, all the time, but if you give it a title, then the listener is, has that, has those words kind of rolling around in their head. And when you start doing these kind of narrative melodic themes, then they can come up with their own story. Um, And it leaves it open for interpretation. So I like lyrics that aren't really specific. If we're going to talk about actual words, I like having those things open open to interpretation. Um uh, so when you're dealing with purely instrumental music, well there's nothing but it's nothing but interpretation because there's no actual words being said except for the title of the song.
0: I mean how about you, Steve? When when you know you're presented with a title, maybe that happens during the session, maybe not, maybe that comes later. But how are you? You know, you've worked worked with Krung Bin on several records. And how are you? What's your approach to marrying the, the tonality to the sort of sentiment? I guess is a good way to put it.
2: It's it's interesting because the titles come later, the narrative building comes later, which is really awesome to see come together after the fact. But like capturing it, it's it's just like recording a vocalist or something like that, where it, you know the microphone and stuff is is cool and all, but it's I'm just putting I'm just putting a goddamn mic on guard. On Mark Zamp he's singing um, he's he's doing all the emotion and the dynamic and the melody and everything through all that subtlety of his uh, guitar playing um, and and all the intangible things about the band playing together so when you listen back it's just a beautiful sound and and you know how and just it's it's a song so it might be you know, some weird, minor sad-sounding, slow song, and that conveys that emotion, you know what I mean? You know, and then so, like, I don't know, things like reverb choices and delays and stuff like that come into play later um, to enhance that sound. But just as far as the capture goes, it's just putting microphones near them, um, and they make the beautiful sounds themselves. And I just make sure they don't get hangry. (laughs)
0: yeah i mean i think that i i think that's a bit of a uh of a a downplaying of the the role of the you know whether it be your your role as you know quote producer or or engineer because there are things that go into sonics that, that that sort of are the tones and the and the presentation of the band in terms of the you know the the painting or how whatever you're putting out there and that you know that's you know is your you know if your approach is that everybody's stuck in a different room and the sight lines suck and they're in a dry dry dead room um, that's way different than putting a band in the room where they can see each other and play off each other and there's bleed and all of these things help actually really you know the, the choice of room that you go into um, all of these things are sort of you know parts of of creating that you know,
2: Without a doubt. I mean, they're a band that has to play together. Everything has to happen at the same time. You know, we can get into overdubs and things on top of the initial um, song, but the foundation of the song of the drum, bass, and guitar happens live at the at the same time. And they are close together in a circle looking at each other um for most of the recordings it all has happened in their barn out in west or in uh the hill country of texas which is just a beautiful environment but it's a it's a barn with a dirt dirt floor you know what i mean so there is there's bleed yeah. there is no control you know um so that is you know we did a few recording sessions in a studio i had it at, at at one time with like low ceilings and it was like a much like what you would think of as a more con- conventional studio and it's like that was not nearly as fun. We need high ceilings, we need a big yeah. <laughs> open room and there's just there is something about that vibe that is conducive to their workflow and, and their vibe. I mean, and do then, you remember when we
1: recorded in that space and uh we were mixing it and I was like, "Man, you know what we're missing is the barn. We're missing the barn." So so I went out to the barn and I had my recorder, okay, and I clapped my hands in the barn. And then I took that and turned it into an impulse response. And then we started running everything through that. Yeah,
2: everything during dry. Mixing. And, it was
1: like, and it was like, you know, it, uh, it was approximate.
2: But even just performing in that space is different than performing in the space of the barn. Without a doubt. It's, and it's all those intangible things that the band just does on, on their own. You know, so that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is Mark and I both love records of a certain time period, um, <laughs> you know, that were recorded with certain techniques, you know, and so it's just like I, I'm not the guy that's gonna put a stereo pair of, you know, four fourteens over the over the drum kit and and things like that. You know, it's all dynamic mics. Everything's recorded in mono, you know, and presented in mono, there's very little stereo capture of anything. And um, you know, and th- and things like that, that, that give you that um, feeling of, of a certain time period when you listen to
0: it. When I put on these records for pleasure, and it's funny, Marco, that you, you mentioned just having them on. Um, I often listen to your records as, quote, ambient music and so that i can do other things and and i can i can you know do writing or or i can be you know doing construction or whatever it is that i'm doing wiring the studio but one of the things that that i was thinking about this morning was just how important and and this is music that i like in general but especially your band is that there is so much space and when you talk about the barn and like well we're missing the barn and it it's like a an extra member of the band, the, the amount of it space. Is. I think so. of space. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, when
1: you're out there, um, and I've mentioned this before in other places, like when you're out there and you're not recording in a studio, like a dead studio, because that is its own sonic, you know, thumbprint, right? You're in a dead, there's no sound coming in from the outside. And if there was sound coming in from the outside, you're in a city. So you've got like rumbly trucks and, you know, alarms and uh and police cars and and whistle tips and whatnot you know uh but in the barn out in the country this the only sound you get is going to be like a hawk or you know some (laughs) birds or like some bugs and like some wind going through the grass right and those are really really nice sounds i like those sounds a lot i don't really want to get rid of those i'm not going to go back and be like oh man this wind went through this uh grass thing right here and we got a we got to take that. We got to edit that out. Whereas, if we were doing this in the city, it'd be like, ah, oh, tape just got ruined. Had a loud ass car come by. We got to do that one again. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and when you're thinking about music in that way, and you're in the barn, and there's all these other beautiful sounds happening, you don't feel the need to fill up every single moment with a note, you know, or a chord, or whatever. And I feel like when you're in the studio, like a like a pristine, dead studio, then you kind of had this unconscious like, uh, desire to fill up every single empty space with music.
0: obviously reverb is a, is a big part of your, you know, and that takes up a lot of uh, space as well. Often. It
1: does. I use it quite a, I use it as another, another piece of the, of the arsenal. Like it's not something I'm going to turn off, but there are varying degrees as to how much I'm going to use. Um, But also that comes from uh, music I listen to where the reverb is like, there's, like, ways of doing it organically, right? When you talk about music from, say, like, the desert of Afghanistan. They use an instrument called a rabab. And this instrument has sympathetic strings, not unlike a sitar, right? Um, but it's the sound of, like, the desert. So where they would it go? Like, the lion of the desert, the lion of instruments. Like, this is the instrument. And it has this built-in reverb on it, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and, like, what maniac would decide to, like, you know cut those strings or like make it so it doesn't do that because that's its voice right and um and i love that kind of stuff i love when you go into a space and you sing a note in like a racquetball court or in a gold church or whatever and the note rings in a certain way Uh, and that's i love that stuff you know what i mean
0: yeah Um, i mean we always talk about it as like you know especially long long reverbs and and you know a note and then the sort of the 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 moment where you're listening to nothing except for the the decay is just this reflection time and 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 i think that that's for me anyway that the music that is you know utilizes reverb in a in a musical way as part of the kind of composition um it really gives me it it provides a moment to actually reflect on what you've just heard which i think is like a that's an amazing tool in music right you know i think so I also really like mechanical ones,
1: you know what I mean? Um, Like actual spaces or uh, things that you create to do that. So like, you know, like sympathetic strings are one way of getting reverb, you know, or like pushing your foot down on the piano and yelling into it, you know, there you go. Um, Those are really, really specially sounding reverberation uh, tactics. Whereas like, let me get this uh, digital... You know, whatever reverb emulator from you know 1980, whatever you know, that's a cool sound. But I really prefer the ones that have a lot of weird character. You know, so we use springs a lot.
0: Mm -hmm. uh, Is Terminal C a separate space from your from the barn? Yes, Yes. Terminal
2: C is my studio in Houston. Um, It, but it has worked for recording KB because it is sort of similar shape as the barn. So I'm in a huge warehouse with a, you know, and it's just a, just fucking metal ceiling. You know, it's not a studio. I put no effort into the acoustics in here. Um, And so it's a warehouse um, that my studio happens to be in, but it ends up having some similar sonic characteristics as the barn. So... It's there's been uh, certain recording sessions that we've done in here um, that have worked for the band. Um, it has a different feel than the barn, so the barn is for their solo records, and then Terminal C has um, sort of turned out to be like sort of the place for the more uh, the albums that we do with other people.
0: Interesting, um, yeah. and and so tell me a little bit about how the uh, coming together with uh, View. Happened, and when I hear this record, I honestly like if from you know if you just put it on, I would I wouldn't really know. I think you guys you you morphed into being a backing band that was so uh you know genre and and sonically appropriate for his music.
1: Yeah, I think our thumbprints all over it. I think it sounds exactly like what Krungbin would do. You know what I mean.
0: Uh, I still
1: think that all the sonic. You know things are there, um, and I mean, as far as backing band, like yeah, you can go hire a backing band, but usually the backing band isn't going to be making these kind of really crucial sonic decisions. You know, um, and that's what we're doing.
0: And and how did that how did that coming together happen?
1: Um, so, Views Manager found us. I think, I think View was trying to do a record of his dad's music and wanted to get, you know, quote, a cool alternative band to, uh, to do it with. Mm. (laughs) Um, and I think his manager like showed us to him and I think he dug it and was like, okay, well let's meet him. We happen to be in uh, London all the same time. So we met up in London and we had, you know, some lunch we had some laughs we got to know each other and uh and then we made a we set a date to to meet up and record this record
0: and was the did, what was the prep like for doing the record or you guys just get in there and, and do it i mean how much <laughs> listening were you doing ahead of time to get uh, oh, Steve, wow. Wanna- <laughs>
2: oh wow oh my god right, well so he number one he wouldn't tell us what what songs uh, <laughs> okay. his dad's he wanted to re- to record because he wanted it to be spontaneous oh my god let me i just got to paint the picture here real quick we had uh, just taken we'd taken broken down this entire studio in here taken it out to the barn we were out at the barn for three weeks recording mordecai (laughs) which was an intense exhausting experience yeah loaded all the gear back up in the u-haul drove it back here to Houston. I got it all set back up here in the studio just to have, you know, you show up here at the studio, just mere days after we completed Mordecai. Um, And it's just like, boom, here we are back in the studio. No idea what songs we're going to be doing. All of us burnt to a crisp. and then it's just like, dude, he just shows up, he sits down, and he's like, we're doing this one. Here's how it goes. Like, count it off one, two, three. And then, boom, they're off to the races playing it. It was. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, that would, the amount of prep was him spending about 30 seconds showing them the changes, I think. Was yeah, about that's it. pretty much it. That there that weren't about any, it.
1: it wasn't, hey, review this record, check out this song beforehand. We just showed yeah. up and played. Um, and some of our you know, instincts that we did in that moment were were really good and really appropriate but i was like man if i had some time to actually craft a part i would love to do that because that's what we love to do in the band is like you know we craft the parts uh so that it just doesn't sound like you're just noodling you know i felt like there was some noodling on my parts so i went back and and recut them you know some of them some of them are are the same they were um there was a certain point when i was like man View is absolutely slaying it on guitar, and I just don't know if I'm adding anything, so maybe I'll just play keys.
0: Yeah, I noticed that. That's
2: yeah, cool. it was a, a really in- interesting process. Um, they and, and it's like DJ, I felt like was the one that was just on it from the get go, like he would just be like ready on the downbeat, and then he kept he would get a gr- that groove going, and like that's the thing that kept the song together, and um. And like was kind of the saving grace of the session um, to me um, but one of the things that was interesting was like because we put it away for a couple years took a couple years before we came back to it to to complete it um and once we started working on it again and um, and crafting trying to craft parts and and make it feel like a like get the KB personality into the songs like the thing that was um, the biggest reveal early on in our, it was just like all the songs were 13 minutes long. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just like, and like, and so like but a big part of our, like I think the big part of our influence on making these songs kind of what they were was, so, was shortening them down to a more like, I don't know how you would describe it, pop or Western sort of so, um, um, structures.
1: I mean, we wanted to be able to fit more than four songs on the length of an LP. I think that's yeah. what it was. And <laughs> if every song is 13 minutes, then, well, you're looking at like a, you know, a, a three LP, four LP, you know, like a uh, package. A box set <laughs> out of the gate. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. Out of the gate. So. <laughs> but it, it was yeah, kind of it felt sacrilegious for a second to yeah. like chopped the songs up it was just like ah you know is this part super like in this you know it's just like how can we do this to these songs but but we did
1: yeah had to.
0: what was your criteria for doing that and and chopping them i mean there's there is also something to be said for stepping away right for a long time you sort of forget all the stuff that you didn't like and you can kind of come back with a fresh ears, like you're listening to a record that you didn't even make. Um, Very much so.
2: I felt crazy at the end of the recording session about it, but then listening to it again, it was just like, "Wow, this is awesome. This is a vibe." You know, after those couple of years.
1: It, didn't we just move on to a completely different project right after that? Right after recording? I think we went
0: re-
2: like right into a Leon project right after that
0: too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. So we recorded Mordecai. We did. Uh, and then it was time to record
2: Texas Moon. Yeah. It, yeah. I was burnt to a crisp. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Part of the criteria for how we were going to arrange the songs was like, am I as a listener, am I ready for something different um, at this point? Was one criteria. And then the other criteria was the amount of bars. Because it might have been just like these really weird... It was all improv. So it might have been like, I don't know, six... What I guess you could consider them bars of one section, but then it was nine, but then it went back to the same section, but then it was three this time or something like that. So um, that was a criteria to keep in mind too. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: You mean just in terms of sort of not having uh, changes be, you know, just,
2: yeah, abrupt or just go on forever.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So it was, it was, it was sort of strange. I still don't exactly know how we did it. <laughs>
0: This or or Ali Fakheri or Tanari Win or you know it, the, the the phrasing is so circular and across the bar line at times that that um I think you know pairing it with something that's a little bit more you know linear in terms of a drum part I could see the challenges in in edits you know <laughs> yes yeah. 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 yeah it's like but we also didn't want to just make everything okay it's gonna
1: be four bars yeah a four sure. four and everything is just subdivided into four and it's all gridded to four and it's quantized four. it's like boring you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to keep a little bit of the uh the the odd you know time structures and we did you know but we we also wanted to make sure it made sense um to i guess western listeners because that's also kind of the point here is right. to um you know in service of you in service of ali is to introduce more of his music to uh western listeners you know yeah, yeah. i mean in
0: in so many ways i've i've always thought that you know tanari win and and bands like that and how how trancy it is you know there there are things that it, they make people feel a way that maybe you know some electronic music feels or you know this it, it the repetitiveness and the the p- kind of the pounding and the the circularness of it it puts people in a in a bit of a state right so yeah mm-hmm. um, i love that <laughs> and i think that it doesn't matter I, I to your point it's like you're turning people onto a new sonic but it's like emotionally hitting the same same places that that are you know primal ultimately right like it's it, music has different effects and different roles in different cultures and you know if you can have people experience something on a on a really primal human or or animal level and you've really done you've done your job i think for people to go back and listen knowing this and it's the the, some part of the joy i get of listening to like a record like bitches brew where you go and you can, you're like oh there's an edit you know you can yeah you can, like it's sort of fun to go back and see how they imagine them putting it together because it's, i'm sure those were massive long jams as well and um yeah i think if you can give people the tools to experience music on a deeper level uh that's a that's a really that's a cool thing you know
1: i mean i love that you mentioned that record because it's like all right, how do we Tio Masero this thing? you know? Because uh, those those records sound so amazing. I love Miles Davis's um, era when that's what's going on. like everyone has a wall pedal. Yeah uh, It's yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that is where it's at.
0: And that's that whole period of, like, Bitches Brew and Live Evil and Big Fun and uh, Agartha and Pangea and that, that whole, like, chunk of just the wildest, most out Miles Davis, disc record and, and, and the Dutch style of music, they, they have a lot of parallels, you know?
1: I hope so. I mean, I like to be a little out. I know that, uh, you know, your average listener probably isn't just going to straight up put on Big Fun and be like, all right, let's get me hyped, you know? Um, but I sure as fuck do Um, and I want to be able to put that into the art that I make as well you know
0: obviously we're all playing in the same room for this record as well oh yes we were Um,
1: not counting you know like overdubs but even when we're doing overdubs we're doing them like in the open so everyone's there yeah you know so like there was uh, I think it was Savon we replaced the drum part you know and I'm like standing there with Deej so he can see me across the room and I'm like hey give us a little something here you know All right, we're cooking we're doing good People right here is simmer this, like, all right, bring the in,
2: you know. Yeah, generally any overdub, there was something they were. It was a performance was happening um, in tandem with one of the other members, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. because but, if I'm
1: overdubbing guitar, I need someone outside of my brain being like, "That's that's good," or "That's bad." Do that again. You know what I mean?
0: And was that any of that input coming from view or was he already gone? Um, he was already gone. He came yeah. in
1: and cut a record and left.
0: Yep. And you're talking about like just a few days. Oh, it's like uh, what? It was like a week. Four, I don't know. I think it was four days, dude. Start right. finish. Yeah. I'm, I'm so curious just about like the forms. I mean, if somebody's sitting down and being like, well, here's the changes. I mean,
2: it's so funny. He's like, it's traditional. Like, oh, how do
0: I
1: play the song? He'd be like, "No, oh, it's just, just, just traditional.
0: Yeah. And Mark was like, I get
2: that. <laughs> I don't know the tradition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want
1: to, like, I spent some time trying to figure out like, cause he has a really idiosyncratic playing style, you know, yeah. there are, there's a specific method to how you play like that. And it sounds amazing. And it's set up so that you can play these songs and write new songs Um, relatively easily, you know, and you can, you can self-accompany. So it's tuned pretty much like a regular guitar, except you know, the low E string is tuned up maybe like a half step to facilitate um, like this certain tonality. And then he'll put a a capo on it and move the capo around. Um, And a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of the, uh, the, 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 the hand patterns are similar not the same it's not the same song like practically even the same song isn't the same song um, but I was like oh I should learn how to do that maybe if I learn how to do this then I can you know get deeper into uh, these songs and figure out how to, how to really I know, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is like if I learn how he's doing this then maybe I'll learn the vocabulary a little bit better and it won't feel so not traditional <laughs> you know
0: Right. But I mean, if you have four days and that's your first introduction is day one to that, I mean, that was kind of my question early on was like, did you go back and listen to a bunch of, you know, Molly and Desert Stomp music before getting together? No, no, Because I still wouldn't have...
1: Like, hearing a recording of this guitar style, not knowing how you tune it or where you put your fingers you might go down a very, very different path and decide, this isn't this, this is completely impossible. There's no way to do this until you find out where to you put your hands, you know? Mm. Uh, so being in the room with him is how you learn. Um, but the other thing about it was, it's like, I realized that, dude, what I need to be doing is leaning into what I do. You know? If we have two guitar players in this record that sound like him, how do you know who's who? Sure. So I was like, "All right, well, let me just do what I do because he's doing what he does really, really well."
0: Yeah, that's interesting, and that's a great point.
1: And it was
2: interesting because he was doing what he does, and DJ was doing what he did, and I thought that um, was pr- went pretty effortlessly. Um, and Laura was doing what she does. You know, all of that aspect of it was pretty seamless and happened sort of improv in the moment. Um and Mark was the one who had a much bigger struggle figuring out what his place was um with with the guitar because his guitar playing is essentially an entire band, you know,
1: yeah. in it in his hands. And I'm know? not used so, to playing with other guitar players at all, regardless of yeah. ones that can, you know, be an entire band by themselves.
0: I'm just always interested in 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 partnerships and you know you could put people in a room together and have it not be something that necessarily worked even though everybody was great you know this thing happened based on a personality you guys didn't get together in London and play music you guys got together and and you hung out and and made something happen I can
1: safely say that I do not want to work with anyone I've never met before or at least talk to you know like a lot of people come to us and say, "Oh, we think you should collaborate with so and so." You know, there's this producer who really wants to produce you. I'm like, we don't need a producer. You know, we got Steve. Um, here's an artist who wants to make a record with you. I don't, it's like, I don't know who that is. I've never met them. I don't care. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I just don't have time
0: yeah well it sounds like you guys are just constantly working and doing stuff i mean i love hearing about how you were doing mordecai and then you did this and then you went straight into you know the the leon record i mean that's
1: but that's how we like to work you know and if we're gonna work we're gonna work with people that we like and who we have a uh you know relationship with like we toured with leon for a while so we made that connection it was like really really sweet bro and so it was like hey you want to make a record cool it was, it
0: was easy but you know the the pandemic has pushed everybody into their individual you know rooms basically and everyone's making not everyone but a lot of people are making records sending things around and you know i had a i had a post pandemic experience where i finally got in a room with my friends and made made a record that was just like the most fun and i think everybody really it, it drove home the point of like being in the room together and the and the and the the value of 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 sort of the relationship and the humanness of making music and and moving molecules around in a room together. I mean, there's no, there's just, there's very, yeah, it's fun, you know. Yeah, I mean,
2: there was there was no like this. This could have just been a disaster, you know. There was we didn't know, and you know, he just he showed up and and was just so. Much fun, you know he's just yeah, such he's a, a wonderful dude, <laughs> wonderful guy, so positive, and he was just excited about what he was hearing too. We felt crazy by the process because it was seat of seat of the pants, you know, um but he um was just like like listening back through the speakers, and he was just delighted, you know, um so it was it was a getting a group of people together um and and it just happened to work you know it's kind of how what was my observation on it you know um it just it just clicked it was one of those moments in time where it sort of the the pieces fell into place just instinctually in the moment in a in a panic
0: <laughs> i like it yeah yeah i i thank you guys for your time oh my pleasure so much fun. I'm such a huge fan,
2: man. It's just like so cool. To be part awesome. Of this. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. Find us online at tapeop.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time,